while I think there is some real reasonable reasons for you to say, okay, you haven't paid for a year and a half, and let me get somebody in here who can. Maybe it's not, a, I'm gonna kick you out tomorrow. Maybe it is, I don't know. It depends on the situation. Maybe it's a, how do I go to the property manager? How do we find a way that we can salvage this or do something? The idea here, guys, is even with all this mortgage moratorium stuff going on, how do we find maximum benefit for maximum parties? What would your life look like if you could replace all of your working income with simple and conservative investments that could do it for you? Over the last 13 years, we've helped thousands of clients transact over half a billion dollars in simple and conservative real estate transactions, allowing them to begin replacing their work income with real estate investment income. Each week, we'll be pulling back the curtain on the ins and outs of real-time, retirement-based real estate transactions that will transform your financial future, even if you have no real estate experience. This is Replace Your Income with me, Kevin Clayson. And Steve Earle. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to Replace Your Income with Kevin and Steve. Yeah, what's up, dude? How are you? Good. Going well. Hey, we're on the microphone again, man. Yeah, feels good. It does. Love it. And uh, does it feel as good as when you were just in Hawaii? Does it feel as good as that or? Um, yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the honesty, by the way. I appreciate that. Um, Steve sent me this picture. He was he was working in Hawaii. I mean, I don't know how much anybody really works when you're in Hawaii for a week, but he was working because I know he got a lot done, but he sent me this picture of this cute little gecko that hopped up onto your counter and decided to try to take us some sips of your drinks, right? Yeah, just kind of decided to share what I was uh, having, my morning monster, you know? <laughs> I showed... And it was so funny because there was a Coca-Cola bottle and then a monster. He actually climbed up the Coca-Cola bottle and yeah. kind of licked the top of that. And then he jumped over to the monster and he stayed way longer on the monster. <laughs> that is awesome. I showed that picture you sent me to my son, both my sons, and they were very jealous oh, very, because they would love a gecko. The last time I was in Hawaii, my wife and I were staying at this Airbnb and there were so many lizards. I don't know if they were geckos or not, but so many. And we literally tried for probably 20 minutes to catch just one. They were so dang quick because we just wanted to take a picture and send it to our boys like, hey, look, we got a lizard. We had no luck. Zero they, luck. The, these guys were made more domesticated, I think. Okay. Because they actually jumped on me. <laughs> like they literally jumped on me a couple of times. That yeah. Is awesome. Hey, I will say, since we're talking reptiles, while I was mowing this last weekend, I captured two snakes in our yard for our boys to play with for oh, a day wow. and a half. Wow. Two snakes. How'd you now, catch them? With my hands. Oh man. Uh full disclosure, they were pretty much baby snakes and I had gloves on. If it was a larger snake or I didn't have gloves, even though I know it's a safe snake, I will not touch it because that's the kind of man I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm impressed that you did it even with gloves on, Kev. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Well, hey, everybody. It's so good to be with you. We're so excited to, to be here on the podcast with you. And thank you so much for faithfully listening. We are trying so hard to be generating consistent weekly content. And uh, we've got a great topic today. Because today is a little bit of a different episode, I guess, in that we just want to give you a market update, but not just any old market update. We want to talk specifically about a big thing that's been in the news. So last week on the podcast, we talked a lot about inflation. 
Inflation has been in the news, but there's additional real estate information and stuff that's coming out. We feel an obligation to kind of share that with you, right? We know we're not like a radio talk show where we're talking current events every day, but we know that you're listening in real time. Many of you listen in real time. And so we want to give you the stuff that that's germane, that's important, that matters to the real estate market, to your real estate portfolio. So today we are going to be talking about, and you've probably heard this in the news recently, we're going to be talking about the eviction moratorium, right? Correct. Yeah. And and in fact, we really feel like this is, you know, pertinent to our clients because we're all about rental properties. Yeah, right? that's right. And this has affected many of our clients in terms of, you know, getting rent or not getting rent. And uh, we have some interesting information, some stats about like specifically our markets and our clients. And then also generally speaking, you know, the, the national market and, yeah. and kind of how, how the, this deadline coming and going and how the, the eviction moratorium no longer can be enforced. Yeah. How that's affecting, you know, our clients and, and, and really the market generally speaking. Yeah. And so we kind of wanted to give you guys an update because we actually get a lot of questions on this all the time. I always have people asking, Hey, what about, you know, people are always curious about the landlord friendliness of the areas where we go and invest. And Steve, we've talked about it on the podcast before. When we are selecting a market, like when we moved into Oklahoma, when we've looked at our other markets, we always like to go to areas that are landlord friendly. We think that's critically important. We don't want you to be somewhere where uh, the government or the city or the county or whoever thinks that they can just, they own your real estate more than you own your real estate, right? That they can control your experience with your tenant more than you can control your experience with your tenant. So we always try to be in landlord-friendly areas, but with that, it didn't matter what market you were in when COVID struck and the Trump administration put into place a couple things. There was a mortgage moratorium, right? And the mortgage moratorium was kind of exciting for people, I think. They were like, oh, if I'm affected by COVID, maybe I don't have to pay my mortgage. However, what they didn't tell you is these banks, even though they were enforced to allow you to postpone some payments, it didn't mean that you didn't have to pay it all back in a balloon sum once the mortgage moratorium expired. But the one that's extended much longer has been this eviction moratorium. And the Trump administration put this in place. And I, I don't know how you felt, Steve, when it first kind of came around. It was the idea that if, look, if, if there's a tenant and they're affected by COVID, you know, they lost their job or, or as a result of these lockdowns and everything that was going on, they no longer had an ability to generate income. The administration, the government said, okay, you can't kick them out. I just, I'm just curious, what was your initial reaction when you heard that they were putting that in place? It was not a happy reaction. Yeah. Because I felt like, you know, who's the government to come in and, and you know, create rules that affect my investment? Now, I understand the need to take care of, you know, tenants who couldn't make payments and could end up on the street and so on. But the government just had to be, more careful. And they, they eventually came around and the National Association of Realtors had a lot to do with this, that if you're going to put a moratorium and you can't evict, you know, somebody who's not making payments, because I'm not in the business of lending money to people, right? I'm in the business of providing housing for people who can pay for it. So, you know, who's the government to come in and say, hey, you're going to be a winner over here and you're going to be a loser over here, right, yeah. like to choose, you know, winners and losers. That's not what the government should be in the business of. And so what the NAR came out with, they went out and they lobbied to make sure that, hey, yes, we got to take care of tenants. We need to take care of low-income housing individuals who can't make payments. But we also need to take care of the individuals who are providing that housing, right? 
especially being that more than 50% of all landlords in the United States are just mom and pop, you know? Say that again and emphasize that because I think that sometimes the government or sometimes just institutionally, right? There's this assumption that's made that if you're a landlord, if you own property, you must be like crazy, ridiculously rich. But the reality is, and say it again, how what percentage of most rentals are just individuals like us? Yeah, it's well over 50 percent or just mom and pops, you know, individuals who own one or two or three or four properties. And they don't have these like big, deep pocket reserves like institutions do who are who are the owners of the other 50 percent. Right. And so specifically, you know, the single family home owners are the mom and pops. And, you know, maybe those who own like massive numbers of apartment complexes, those are more the typically the institutional yeah. investors and so on. And so the NAR really stepped up, the NAR, the National Association of Realtors, they stepped up. Not, the not the NRA? Not the NAR, but the okay. NAR. Yeah, got yeah. it. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's a, a, an important uh, distinction. <laughs> distinction. <there. laughs> so, so anyways, they went in and, and the government, you know, they, they really followed their lead. And so at the end of the day... That's been the case now. Well, fortunately, so so the federal government stepped in and they provided funds, you know, from the trillions of dollars that they, you know, allocated to the COVID relief system, and they sent these monies to the states. But many states have yet to release any of these funds. Yeah, and so I, I don't quite get or understand what's going on with some of the states. And other states have done a fantastic job. Yeah, of taking care. Now, I also want to put this out there that there have been so many local charities in different, like the different counties, the different cities that exist. Many charitable organizations have stepped up in a huge way and provided rental assistance outside of the government, right? Which is, which I believe is really probably the proper way to do this anyways. Absolutely. But they have stepped up and provided, you know, millions and millions of dollars in rental assistance to individuals who, who legit need it. And really the... (laughs) the threshold for being able to to get these funds has been, you know, really attainable. And if you meet certain requirements, really, it's just a matter of applying for these funds. And we've had a number of our tenants who have benefited from such funds, which at the end of the day, it takes care of both the tenant and the landlord. And so that really is the best way to do it. But in addition to that, you know, you have the federal government that stepped up and hopefully the state governments everywhere across the United States will step up and get those funds released to make sure that both the tenants and the landlords are taken care of. And these funds actually are valid and are good to go back actually up to a year and a half. So if you've got somebody, you know, a tenant who hasn't paid for months and months and months, and they apply for some of these funds that should be available to them, they can go back uh, as far as 18 months and catch up on, on rents that they've missed. So maybe, you know, if you're out there and you're owning property and you've had a tenant that hasn't been paying, maybe talk to your property manager, see if they're aware. I mean, a lot of them probably are, they should are. be. Yep. And, and then there might be a resource available to you. You know, when the eviction moratorium kind of came around, I had mixed emotions, right? Because it was like, okay, I like the idea that we're trying to take care of people that are impacted by COVID. Because a lot of people, they didn't have a choice in government lockdowns. They didn't have a choice that that all of a sudden these businesses were floundering because nobody was allowed to go to work and everybody, you know, was too busy buying toilet paper to, you know, do anything else. And so I got it. But at the same time, as real estate owners, you go, okay, but honestly, like, that's not great for me because now I'm not collecting rent, but I'm still providing a home for this person. 
but what am I supposed to do? And the thing that was mixed for me as well is the government was giving out and has been giving out all of this free money, right? Like tons of free money to most of the people that are likely tenants, right? It was massive unemployment. I mean, people were making more on unemployment than they might've been in their jobs. Plus they were getting stimulus checks. Plus, you know, there's been this recently, there was this kind of prepayment of child tax credits. I mean, there's all of this free money that's coming from the government. And they're saying, look, here, we're going to give you more money than you know what to do with. Hence the inflation that we talked about last week. But you also don't have to pay your rent, meaning now there's even more money in the market circulating because a lot of those people are not sitting on those dollars. They're spending those dollars and taking vacations. I just talked to, uh, who was it? Somebody was just in Vegas and I was like, what was it like there? And like, it was busy. It was really, really busy, right? And so the point here is, look, I get it. And I like the idea of trying to take care of people that maybe are having a hard time taking care of themselves. But I also go, hold on, maybe the government ought to get out of our way as property owners. That's why we wanted to have this discussion so that people know what's been happening with the eviction moratorium, what's the impact been. And I gotta just say this, because whenever I think of conversations like this, Steve, I know I've told you, and this is kind of a sidebar, but one of my favorite books that I've ever, ever read is a book by a professor at the Wharton School of Business. His name's Adam Grant, and it's a book called Give and Take. And Give and Take says, you know, in general, there's three types of people out there, right? There's givers, there's matchers, and there's takers. The givers are the ones that give before they think of receiving. The matchers are the ones that say, I'll give you X if you give me Y in return. Like they'll match their giving to your giving. And then there's the takers that just want to take everything from you. Um, Steve and I both have lots of experience with plenty of givers, plenty of matchers, and plenty of takers. And so these are real people out there. But one of the things the book talks about is this idea that the most successful and the least successful, if you were to put givers, matchers, and takers on kind of a bell curve or a spectrum or whatever, who do you think is the most successful and who is the least successful of the three groups? And the book reveals that the most and the least successful are the same group, which are the givers, right? Because there's givers that give so much without any concern of self. And then there's givers that give freely, but understand that there's gotta be limitations. And the way I look at it is like this. If we ever go to Salt Lake City, if I ever go to San Francisco and I want to contribute to someone that maybe is down on their luck, maybe they're homeless, I always earmark a certain amount of dollars and I'm willing to give those dollars. Those are free dollars that I'm willing to give out, right? Whether that's 20 or 50 or 100, whatever it is, I'm gonna say, and I've taught this to my kids. It's like, we wanna help as many as we can. But if we were to give everything that we have to somebody in need, we don't have anything left to take care of our needs, right? And, and I think it's so vitally important that when we think of this idea of we're trying to be charitable to people that are down on their luck and the eviction moratorium, and we wanna be careful, we don't wanna just throw people out on their head if they're not able to pay rent because of the eviction moratorium, but at the same time, we need to be thinking about ourselves and about our own investment and our own interest because if we give, give, give to the point where there's nothing left to give, not only does the person still get kicked out of the house because we can't own it anymore, but we don't no longer get to own the home and cannot continue to generate that benefit that we talked about a few weeks ago during the Power of One podcast where there's a benefit to the tenant, there's a benefit to us, there's a benefit to the bank, there's a benefit to the neighborhood, there's a benefit to you as the investor, there's all of these benefits. And so I share all this to say, I know that there is people out there that would get huffy and puffy when if we were to sit here and say, 
oh, you know, yes, okay, I'm so glad the eviction moratorium has come to a conclusion. There's plenty of people that would be like, how dare you? You're putting hardworking single moms out on their tail with nowhere to live. And I get that. It's not that we want to negatively impact people, but we have to look at the economy and we have to look at our investments and we have to look at the situation that we're in through a lens and a perspective that makes sense. We are looking for maximum benefit for all parties, not just a heavily weighted benefit to one party or the other. And so we have to understand that. And so what happened over the weekend is the eviction moratorium. Uh, and so th- today we're recording this. This is August 2nd. This podcast will launch on probably August 9th or 10th or something like that. So over this last weekend before we recorded, the eviction moratorium came to a conclusion. And what we're seeing right now is you've got some people out there that, uh, you know, Speaker of the House and and some of the, the group that she's very close to, they're saying, hold on, we have to extend the eviction moratorium. You've got the Biden administration that's saying, okay, states, hold on, before you just start letting people kick other people out, let's hold off and try to figure some things out. And then you've got other people on the other side of the equation that are saying, no, finally, thank goodness, maybe now I can get somebody out and start to get rent for this investment that I've had to continue to pay for, for however many months and maybe even years. And so I just wanted to paint that picture to say, look, Steve and I are not here to say, this is good, this is bad. We are just here to say, here's what's happening. Here's some of the ways you ought to be looking at it. And if you're somebody that's owned a property that has a tenant that hasn't been paying, while I think there is some real reasonable reasons for you to say, okay, you haven't paid for a year and a half, let, let me get somebody in here who can. I also think that what Steve just shared is critically important. Maybe it's not, a, I'm gonna kick you out tomorrow. Maybe it is, I don't know. It depends on the situation. Maybe it's a, how do I go to the property manager? How do we find a way that we can salvage this or do something? The idea here, guys, is even with all this mortgage moratorium stuff going on, how do we find maximum benefit for maximum parties, right? I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah, for sure. And you have to keep in mind as well, Kevin, is that literally you can't show up at the doorstep and like, start hauling their stuff out and throwing it onto the front lawn. Like there's still oh, wait, a process. wait, that's not allowed? Oh. Yeah, oh, okay. not, not usually. Okay. So there's still a process. And, you know, the bottom line is there is a lineup, right, of court cases, eviction cases. And like the moratorium was just simply lifted. There's still a process. And even where the process is short in many states, even in those states because of the backlog, like we're still looking at weeks and months to get yeah, really the ball rolling. And so there's not going to be millions of people sitting on the street corners yeah. tomorrow. We're, we're not going to necessarily have a bunch of uh, tent neighborhoods, right? Or like in a, the yeah, park. No, it, exactly. There, there's still a process. There's still a system. There's still methodology to this whole thing. And simply the process has been opened up again. And so it's still going to take quite a bit of time, even if you scramble and you're trying to get somebody out who's who legit has taken advantage of the system. Now, here's the thing. Like, and we talked about this in previous episodes, the vast, vast majority of people, the money that they've received from the government, they've used it for the right purposes. They haven't just been taking trips to Mexico. Correct. They've been paying their bills. They've been paying their rent. The vast majority of people. And in fact, our boots on the ground, what we're seeing in the markets where we are, which I think is a reflection of the population, generally speaking, at least among single family property, you know, renters is people are paying their rent and the number of non-payment individuals, you know, those who are delinquent, hasn't really gone up that that much. You know, it, it's a matter of one or two percentage points. Now that's one or two percentage points too many, but it's not like, 
this mass of people who are taking advantage of what's going on. The vast, vast majority of people are doing the right thing. They're good, honest, hardworking people. Yeah, and you know, when you hear the percentages of the eviction moratorium and kind of the impact there, at some point we heard that there was like 40-something percent nationwide of folks that were not paying the rent that they were supposed to pay. But among our properties, our clients, our tenants, our property managers, that percentage was significantly lower, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we have to be careful kind of like how we position you know, this conversation because our tenants, very generally speaking, are not low in the low income, you know, population. And we want to make sure that those who are most vulnerable are really taken care of. And, but that quite frankly, Kevin is just, that's not who our tenants are. Yeah, correct. We've, we very specifically have chosen to be in a, in a very different, you know, market. And, and as such, you know, the market that we rent to hasn't been as impacted. And so, you know, when we talk about the eviction moratorium and that kind of a thing, it doesn't necessarily impact our demographic that we rent to that are the types of properties that that we buy that we suggest to our clients that they buy the the types of neighborhoods and so on and so you know it is critically important that that both groups of people on you know that everybody is taken care of but specifically and most importantly the lower income you know individuals they need that assistance and that assistance needs to open up and be flowing to them but you know like we've just been talking about uh, generally speaking Individual that, the individuals that we rent to are not the low income. And as a result, really, we've not been impacted you yeah. know, in the same way. Well, you know what? This is a, a conversation to have all the time because people always ask about it. Like, wh- how, what has the impact been? You know, so on and so forth. And I say, okay, a couple things here. Number one, if you're buying property today, right, you're probably attracting a tenant that has good payment history, that has good references, that has a good credit check and a good background check. So you likely are really not going to have to worry now, especially where the the eviction moratorium has sort of come to a conclusion now. So you're going to still be finding good tenants. But even while it was going on, we were not renting to tenants that are like, yeah, I'm moving out of this place because I didn't pay rent for 12 months. And so now I'm looking at yours. That's not it. And so number one, understand that if you're renting it out today, you're attracting the kind of tenant that's willing and ready to pay. Number two, this is a big part of our strategy. The neighborhoods that we go to, the types of homes that we look for, the owner-occupied pride of ownership type of neighborhoods where most of our clients are buying properties, they attract the kind of tenant to those properties that is not somebody that's maybe going to just be unable tomorrow to fulfill their obligations or unwilling to fulfill their obligations, right? And so it kind of comes down to the kind of real estate that you buy. You know, every now and then, not every, fairly frequently, I'll, I'll talk to people who say, okay, well, it seems like the real estate you guys do, it's a little bit more expensive than some of what I've seen out there. And my response is, yeah, and, <laughs> right? The, the idea here is we are still, we're not doing super expensive real estate, but we are not doing $80,000 properties. We are not doing $100,000 properties. And the reason for that is those types of properties, not only do they need probably a crap load of work, but also the kinds of neighborhoods, the kinds of tenants that they attract may not be the kinds of properties that attract a good tenant, a good property manager. And we've talked about this before, but it has been interesting and been a huge part of the equation that during COVID, even during an eviction moratorium, we've seen that the desire of people to live in the rentals that we've been 
helping our clients buy has been really, really high. We've been renting to awesome people. There's the percentage of people not paying their rent is far lower than what it's been nationally. And it's just kind of been an interesting dynamic to look at. And a lot of that speaks to doing the right kind of real estate in the right market with the right approach, understanding that these things are at play and being smart about the approach that you're taking. Yeah, and and just to, to clarify, you know, it's not that one tenant is bad and one tenant is good. It really is just a different investment altogether. So if you go to lower income housing, you know, the $70,000 home, the $50,000 home or apartment complexes, you actually can earn a significantly higher sure. return, but your the element of risk goes up dramatically. And it's because you're dealing with, with a tenant that it's not that they're bad and our tenants are good. It's just that they're in a different scenario and sometimes they're able to pay rent and sometimes they're not. And that kind of that risk is just higher and it doesn't make them a, you know, a a good or a bad tenant, so to speak, or a good or bad person. You know, I'll say, I'll I'll say it that way. It's just that it's a completely different rental scenario. Yeah. We've chosen to take a much more conservative route. Yeah. One that's, that's significantly more conservative, one that's significantly lower risk and all of the different elements that we talk about all of the time. And so we've just chosen to be in in a different market altogether. And so, you know, if you want the potential of a significantly higher return, you can, you know, purchase those types of properties. And that's what many people do. That's what a lot of institutions do. We've just found for the, for our type of client, they want to be as low maintenance as possible, right? They're busy with their lives. They're busy with their careers. They don't want to have to like be in the middle of their properties trying to figure things out all the time. They just want to be able to kind of set it and kind of sort of forget it. Yeah. And that's really what it is that we're doing, which when you do that, the returns tend to be a little bit more conservative. Now, having said that, our conservative returns are actually pretty darn exciting. Yeah. (laughs) And so we keep that in mind. And so I just wanted to kind of bring that up, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the different types of markets, the different types of neighborhoods, the different types of cities and so on that we just happen to choose to be in based on, the type of lifestyle that we want to lead and how much time and energy and resources and efforts that we want to put into an individual property. Yeah. The the analogy I like is, look, you could go buy a 1987 Toyota Tercel, or you could buy a 2021 Toyota Camry, or you could buy a 2021 high-end Lexus. Okay. They're all basically made by the same company. Okay. They're all likely going to get you from A to B. But the 1987 Toyota Tercel may require more work. It may have a little bit more headache along the way, but it also costs you a whole lot less to get into it. And depending on where you're going and how often you're driving, that may have been perfect. Or you may want like the the 2021 Toyota Camry that's gonna hold its value, that's gonna be awesome, that's gonna be in great shape, that likely is not gonna need any repairs for a long time. And that's, I kind of feel like the real estate we do is like the 2021 Toyota Camry. It's also not the Lexus, which is still going to, all of these are going to get you from point A to point B, but there's going to be a different price point, a different experience, a different amount of, of maintenance and a different level of risk potentially for each one. And so I always look at it like that. You know, yeah, we're not buying the 87 Tercel. We're buying the newer Camry. We're also not buying the high-end Lexus with all the bells and whistles, right? Yeah. That's kind of where we live and, and that's kind of what we like. Well, before we wrap up the episode, I thought what I would do is just share with you guys a couple quick things, okay? So the key points that I want you to kind of take away is number one, just for your information, as of today, right now, the national ban on evictions is over after almost a year. 
Number two, there are some states, just so you know, that are going to continue to limit the proceedings for months more. And that's what Steve was talking about. There's still going to be procedures. So for example, like most renters in New Jersey, they can't be kicked out of their homes until 2022, right? And there's a couple other states too that I was looking up that, you know, Massachusetts, Nevada, New York, and Oregon, all of those are temporarily banning evictions. And now they're banning evictions for those with a pending rental assistance application, okay? And that so that's a key thing. And just so you know, one of the things that I looked up is in this article that I'm pulling from, from CNBC actually, it says that the National Low Income Housing Coalition has a state-by-state list of the 484 programs giving out aid. I mean, think about that. That's a lot of, that's a lot of aid. And to your point, the same article said, states and cities have been slow to get out the $45 billion in aid allocated by Congress to address the renter's crisis. That's $45 billion. That's a lot, okay? So talk to your property managers. And, you know, you could, if you guys, maybe what we'll do is we'll link this article because in the link of article, actually what I could do is maybe we'll link the article and maybe we'll just put a link in here to this. There's a link of the 484 programs, the state-by-state list. We'll throw that in there so you know. And just so you know, too, evictions are still banned in Illinois through August, in Maryland through August 15th, and in Hawaii through August 6th, which will not be the case once this episode comes around. And so there's also some California stuff. There's some Washington, D.C. stuff. So it's state by state. It does vary. We are, you know, thankfully, we are a republic. And so we do have states with some autonomy. We do have government, federal government oversight. But we thought it would just be good for you guys to hear, yes, the moratorium's over. Yes, the moratorium has affected the country. But no, it hasn't necessarily affected our clients and our tenants to the same degree that it has affected maybe other types of real estate and other areas in the nation. And at the end of the day, if you're in a situation where you have been negatively impacted, do some research, talk to your property managers, and realize that there is massive amounts of federal aid that is out there that can maybe make you whole, make them whole, that could prevent some heartache and some hardship. And so we just kind of wanted to have that conversation with you guys and say, this is a current event thing. This is what's really happening. Here's just so you know what's going on because we want to help keep you as informed as we can when you listen to this podcast because we appreciate you. And this is a real-time, real-life podcast where we're dealing with this stuff every week, every day in the real estate world. And so we just wanted to share this with you and we hope it's been helpful. Yeah, and we've been in contact with our property managers from you know from over a year ago. And all of our property managers are working with many local assistance programs and helping their tenants who are having issues get the aid that they need. And I've seen it in each of our markets. And and so if you do have, happen to have a property and you're seeing that there, you might be having an issue with a tenant, get with your property manager, chat with them about it, see what programs are available, and make sure that that your tenant is aware of what they can be doing to make sure that they can make their rent. Well said, my friend. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us on Replace Your Income. As always, please go rate and review and subscribe and follow the podcast. We appreciate you. We're so thankful for you. Um, If there's any way we can serve you, anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out or shoot us an email or head over to the Facebook page or the Instagram page. And if you're not following us on Facebook and you're not following us on Instagram or TikTok, go find us in those places. You can link to them right from dfy-realestate.com 
And we appreciate you guys so much. Have an awesome week and we'll see you real soon. Have a good one. Thanks so much for listening to Replace Your Income with Steve and Kevin. If you're not subscribed already, be sure to head over to your favorite podcasting platform and do that now. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you could do us a quick favor and rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. This lets the platform know that we're doing something right and that people like the content. It'd be a huge help and we would be super grateful. Also, be sure to head over to dfy-realestate.com and request your free income replacement estimate. We'll jump on a quick call and put a free and personalized income replacement estimate report together for you. Your report will show you a step-by-step plan of how you can begin replacing your income one property at a time, starting right away with the resources you already have. It only takes a few minutes, but could change the trajectory of your entire financial future. So until next time, just remember, income replacement for you and your family may only be one property away. See you next week.